the call with Nancy Sabato with my guest Ben Cooper. Can you lose hope? He beat cancer two times. Ben's going to talk about his journey through cancer, what happened to him, and how God entered his life through writing. And, uh, 19 years ago, 2001, I just had a, a simple issue with some sinuses and went to a doctor who was also a friend of mine. And he was my friend first, then he became my doctor and discovered cancer in my upper sinus passage. Um, and that's pretty hard. People are afraid of the C word and afraid of what that all means because most people aren't understanding what all each individual cancer is. And then um, God brought me through that, lots of challenges. Uh, but then in 2000, uh, 2015, I got a second diagnosis and that was a tough pill to swallow as well. And that's where God instilled in me, uh, don't worry, don't fret, don't be concerned about what's going to happen. Uh, seize the day, take care of it. I used uh, writing instead of worry and started writing and ended up uh, beginning my writing journey with uh, the first book that I that I put out. How difficult was that uh, cancer operation that you had the first time? You already talked about that before. Uh, that was pretty life-threatening. Uh, nobody wants to hear a doctor say you have cancer. But then when you have a neurosurgeon explain how they're going to go about getting them, thinking that, oh, you know, orthoscopic surgery is pretty common these days. They can fix shoulders, they can do stuff with a small little, but I, I actually had this much of my forehead removed, uh, almost like a three by five index card. Um, they peeled the, my skin off of my face, they cut and did a rhinectomy, and cut my nose uh, to get cancer that was in my upper sinus passage. I didn't smoke. I tried to, you know, do everything that's right. It doesn't exempt you from breathing in something that was a cancer-causing agent, and so hard to digest. And uh, there, there's some phases that are common for people that get that cancer diagnosis. The first phase is shock. You just don't even know what to say. You don't, you know, you just don't immediately cry because you're shocked. Like, uh, wait. I have cancer and it's so overwhelming you just don't know how to react and then a few days hours days that will hit you oh cancer um, and I'm blessed that I was a friend with my doctor before uh, an ear nose and throat doctor before he diagnosed me with cancer one thing Nancy I learned in that that it is hard for the patient to be told that they have cancer, but it's also hard for that doctor to tell the patient that they have cancer. And they go through their own regular trauma as well, especially when you're friends with somebody. And so uh, I realized that was hard. And um, I'm glad my ear nose, and ear, nose and throat doctor, who knew it was cancer, uh, probably when he first looked at it, didn't tell me all the things that was going to happen because it would it would have consumed me mm -hmm. and god's mercies and grace are renewed each day so god gives us just enough to handle today and 
And in my case, I believe so. Some people say sometimes we're overwhelmed and we can't handle everything today, but it takes some days to process it. And then that's what happens with cancer patients as well. So sitting in this neurosurgeon's office and him telling me and my wife on the way back, my it was dead silence in the car. Half hour drive, a half hour out, I said, never in my life would I've ever believed I would be sitting in a doctor's office that would tell me what he's going to do to anyone that I know, let alone myself. Then after you get through that shock and then you get through probably some processing of using emotions, um, you're a sponge and you want to know everything you can about how many people survived this. So you get online, you talk to people, and it's tough when you have a rare type of cancer, adenocarcinoma in the upper sinus passage, uh, it's hard to find people that know anything about it. Uh, my doctor says it's not so much about knowing that cancer, it's knowing how to get rid of it and get it out of your body. That's what they were concerned about. I wanted to know what caused it. Well, it's sometimes hard to tell what caused someone to get cancer. So you're trying to process, so you're a sponge, you're gathering information. You want all the information, how many people had something like this and lived to tell about it? Uh, what's my percentage, what stage of cancer is it? Because that's all important. Um, in stages of cancer, if you have stage four cancer, that means you have cancer that invaded some other organism in your body. It's spread beyond its one location. I had like 3.99 stage cancer. It didn't spread into my lymph nodes or into other organs in my body, which I'm thankful for and it caught early enough. And so then you want the cancer out. Once you get that information, you want it out. And the waiting game is what's really tough. And so you have to occupy your, your thoughts, your mental uh, uh, body, your mental part of your body uh, in hopes of having a good possibility of, of healing. Otherwise, you know, there's people that don't process that cancer diagnosis and what they need to do to get rid of it very well and they, they, they deal with it in a negative way. And so that first cancer that I was diagnosed with was truly life-threatening. Um, the cancer surgery plus the radiation um, gave me better odds of survival. I had to make a decision. Do they just want to go up through my sinus passage and try to find the cancer, or do I want to have the brain surgery and sinus surgery at the same time? If they didn't find if they found cancer had invaded the skull base two weeks after my first surgery, I'd have to have the second. And so I just said, let's just one and done, get it, get in there and do one surgery. And the doctor said that was a good call because the cancer had invaded my skull base, but not into my brain or into uh, in my eye socket, my left orbit, the eye socket. And so uh, 10 and a half hours of surgery on the table and then a week in intensive care. Um, I shared with you before we started that I saw myself a week later in a mirror and I didn't even recognize the person that was looking back at me because uh, my head and hair was completely shaved. I had 43 staples across the top of my head. I had uh, tubes and things. Uh, and, you know, it's just like, boy, can you survive this? My skin was darker um, because of swelling and then shrinking and um, looked like 
um, you know, I was from another country, um, didn't recognize myself. Mm -hmm. When you were going through this, and, and a lot of people are going through this too, when something like cancer happens to you, because I had a brother that just passed away from that, um, and um, what, what kind of, like, they lose their hope. Like, did you lose your hope? Because there are people that can survive this, and there's people that, that, that don't. So yeah. there's no rhyme or reason. Cancer is not uh, prejudiced against any race, male or female, adult or child. Um, hardest funeral I ever went to is when my cousin lost her firstborn child at four years old mm -hmm. to cancer. Mm -hmm. And th that, that was just devastating. Um, I had survived my first cancer surgery, but yeah, uh, hope is a thing that as Christians, we can lose hope. Uh, we don't lose our salvation, but we lose our hope sometimes. But I used my first cancer, uh, most time when people, the first question people ask themselves, why me? And some people will say, why you? Well, you're, you're a father, a husband, um, uh, you're a believer. Why is this happening? Christians are not exempt of the law of sin and death that came from Adam. We're not exempt from that. In fact, I think God chooses to use people, and there are Christians that die of cancer, there's Christians that are that survive of cancer, but God uses uh, those willing people that are willing to be instruments for good for those that want or need that hope instilled on them when they're going through the tough time. So I've talked with and counseled with people that have had similar surgeries that are scared, frightened, worried, what's the outcome going to be? Um, but I used, um, I asked that question, why me? But it was real quick, maybe a day or two, that I asked the follow-up question. Why not me? Why should I be exempt? What did I do to exempt me from, you know, I didn't smoke, I didn't do, you know, I don't smoke or drink and didn't do things, but I just happened to breathe something that was a carcinogenic. Um, and so, you know, is it fair? No, cancer is never fair. There's nothing good about cancer, but can you take something negative and spin it to a positive? Um, I have five kids or my wife and I have five kids. I looked at that and I kind of, I used humor through some of my first cancer surgery. Um, I call it hockey surgery. I was going to have a face off. They were going to tell me, peel this off and a face off in hockey. You know, people, uh, somebody said, you're joking around. Do you realize how serious this is? I said, yeah, I have to joke around because it's so serious. But the thing that I used uh, being a father and a husband, the therapy I used to get me through uh, that first cancer was I was thankful I had cancer. That doesn't make sense to most people, but I, I was thankful that it wasn't my wife or my children. Mm. What parent or uh, spouse wouldn't say, I wish I could trade places with uh, my child or my spouse. I'll take the cancer and let them survive. And so I said, this is on me and that's a good thing because it's not, I would be less likely to handle it and maybe be potential of losing that hope if it was my wife or my children. So if someone is going through this right now, can you give them some sort of word, hope in Christ that 
you know they're struggling they they don't they feel like you know, some may feel like they have anxiety because they they have no hope or they don't know what's going to happen to them and they don't understand why god did this can you give them a thread of hope uh i can and and you know if if you can imagine the night before my first cancer surgery knowing that i'm going to be relying on these doctors and nurses and medical things um i went to some friends of mine from uh, a church camp that i've been going to for over 50 years uh, they i stayed overnight with them my wife and i stayed overnight with them and their entire family got around me and prayed and to this day 19 years later the best night's rest i can remember in the last 20 years was the night before my major cancer surgery i was at peace because i literally had people in other parts of the world praying for me there was 12 people that agreed to fast and pray the day of surgery i remember it because the neurosurgeon my surgery was april 15th he said get your taxes done and come in here at six o'clock in the morning and uh and be ready and so i had somebody lined up that dropped me off at the hospital my wife and i my parents and my brother was uh staying in a hotel and the night before, I slept very peacefully because I knew that there was people praying for me, people going to pray for me. And the worst case scenario ends up as a Christian is being the best case scenario. If I did not make it the seriousness, you sign papers saying you may have a stroke, you may die on the operating table. And that that's a solemn, serious thing. But for the Christian, this world isn't our home. We have a heavenly home and I'd be ushered into the presence of the Lord if I passed away. And so my hope is in Jesus Christ. It is, wasn't truly in the doctors. I wanted them to be efficient, but my hope uh, and my stay was, was Christ and um, knowing what my ultimate future was, eternity in heaven with him. If it happened 19 years ago, if it happens tomorrow, I'm secure in that. To get Ben's book, All Nature Sings, a devotional guide to animals in the Bible, go to Amazon.com. To see the latest stories and teachings, go to the call with NancyCebedo.com. And may the Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you.